welcome everyone to today's Fearless Conversations gathering. Our topic, Fearless Women Breaking the Bias. It's an important discussion with women who are challenging industry norms each and every day with purpose and passion to help break the bias. Today, we learn about the challenges these fearless women have overcome to help pave the way for other women to follow suit. To begin with, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands in which we meet and that we pay our respect to their elders past, present and emerging. We also acknowledge and convey our deep appreciation to the elders of all the nations upon which Flinders operates. This event is delivered as part of Flinders, Flinders University's Fearless Conversations series, a monthly panel series with thought leaders that challenge the current rhetoric to create a fearless future. My name is Rebecca Whitfield-Baker and I'm a journalist and writer at the Sunday Mail and Advertiser, where I have a keen interest in issues affecting everyday families and telling the real life human stories of our, of our many extraordinary, ordinary individuals. I feel privileged to be in the same room as today's panelists. We have theoretical physicist, Professor Mary Parapilli. Hi. Um, Litza Admu, South Australia's first building inspector and owner of the House Inspect Australia. And Melinda Parent, creative director and founder of all female led advertising agency, Orange Creative. Now to start off our questions um, today, we're just gonna um, perhaps, um, whoever feels like answering initially, please jump in and, and do so. And then I'll ask each of you some uh, specific questions. So obviously we have a panel of successful women across a range of industries. Let's talk about what drives you the most. Is it equality, pushing boundaries, or simply a passion for what you do? Perhaps we'll start with you. <laughs> Thank you so much. For me, it is all of the above. It's not one thing that drives me. It can be, it's absolutely passion for what I do because I don't think I would just do what I'm doing if I didn't enjoy it and, and didn't want to be in the industry. But I think it's also about being a role model and, and uh, for my children, for my daughter, she can do this if she wants. I want to push those boundaries. I, I just, it, it's all of the above. There's not one single reason that drives me, so. And what about you, Melinda? Do you feel? Definitely, a, a, definitely a mix. I think to get into the creative industries in the first place, you have to have a passion for art and design, photography. Um, and, but also there is, in my industry, there's very few females sort of at the senior levels. So um, globally, there's only 1% of founders that are female mm -hmm. and 11% globally are creative directors. So we're a minority. So that's also been pushing me to succeed, can keep it succeeding and also you know, being a role model for those coming up that you can do it. You've just got to keep at it. And I guess where does that drive come from, though, to, to keep pushing and um, to keep wanting? I think being a woman in advertising and we are a minority, 
there's the pressure there to keep going to prove that you can do it on your own, that you are a female in business that you've started on your own, then you're up against a lot of men um, in advertising, which have always been there. It's one of the worst sort of gender gaps in, in the industry globally. Um, so everything you see on Mad Men is kind of true. <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, so I've had, as soon as I started off in my business 20 years ago, I did work for someone for three years. Um, and as soon as I went out on my own, he tried to sue me for taking his clients. Of course I didn't, but when you advertise that someone's left, they came direct mm -hmm. to me. Um, and so that kind of got me going. And then later in my career, I had I lost 80% of my business to an all-male agency coming into a client I'd had for 12 years, which was a new male team. So I basically had to start again. So it make, puts the fire in your belly to keep going and not being quashed. Just on that, before we move on, um, I believe you have all female. Yes. Um, in your business now. Yep. So was that a conscious thing to have all females or how did I that evolve? I think it's just a, a different way of thinking. And I th think also since 89% of creative teams globally are men, 89% of women make this consumer decision-making. Um, so I think we have a better sort of almost um, unsaid ingenuity when we come to to marketing uh, that men don't actually understand. Nothing to do with men <laughs> at all, but it has been proved that women can instinctively have this sort of um, unconscious competence to marketing. And, and do people react a particular way when no, they learn that you are all female? No, and I think also coming into the industry when I did, um, it was very heavily print oriented. So they never ever expected you to be able to go to a print press and trade, change the grades and up the magenta. And so I learned how to do all of that. So I could go in and do my press checks. And so, yeah, it's kind of, I don't know. I just wanted to do it. I was interested in doing it and I, we could all do it. And, and, and at the time, um, all photographers, when I started out, were generally male. Media houses were male. Um, advertising agencies were male. Me so I thought, we can do this. And now we can code, you know. <laughs> so Yeah, that's it. Um, I, I will come back to, um, I guess, some of your experience in a little bit. Maria, um, what about you? What is it that drives you most? I would say equality because... The women are still underrepresented in STEM, particularly in physics. So if you are looking at the number, Melinda gave you some statistics, it's almost the same, I would say, because, um, you know, when you are looking at the number, you can see uh, the percent of female in Australian STEM education is only 35. And when you are going to the university level, the gender gap becomes bigger and it stands at 28%. When we are thinking about physics, the gap becomes bigger and bigger and it stands below 20%. Because only small number of girls are taking up uh, physics. And of course, uh, you know, many females could have a career in physics, but they are dropping out from uni or from schools. So the problem is that there is a leaky pipeline and we need to step in and we need to patch that pipeline so in order to do that, you know, you need to implement um, evidence-based interventions. That's what I'm doing because I'm passionate about teaching. And as an educator, I think um, I can increase, you know, the number of females studying STEM, STEM courses. 
because when when I'm walking to a lecture theater, for example, physics for engineering lecture theater, there is only a handful of female compared to hundreds of uh, male students. So I'm dreaming for uh, a gender equal lecture theater, a gender equal STEM course, especially in physics and uh, mathematics. So equality. And, and what was, I guess, what was it for you that um, inspired you to to want to pursue the science? Did you have someone that perhaps was a role model to you or where was your interest sparked? Uh, my mum was a, not a science teacher, she was a school teacher, so I saw her as a role model. Uh, but I was always interested in doing physics from year eight onwards, you know, I like the pattern, like to do simple problem solving. So that drove me into it. But when I saw this gender imbalance in physics, when the students say, you know, their course advisor told them that uh, physics is for male students, this is not for you, you can do tourism, for example, I thought I need to step in. And that's how I started STEM Women branching out group to support the girls. So now slowly, together, everyone's supporting. Everyone is supporting each other and strengthens each other. So, yeah. And, and I guess then, you know, you're talking about, I guess, one of the, um, the things that inspired you and motivated you perhaps more down that um, education role and, and to perhaps inspire other um, young, young people. You know, when we talk about pushing the boundaries, it means different things for different people. Um, what are some of the boundaries you've had to push or just step over um, um, to get where you are in your life and career? Is that for uh, me? Perhaps, yeah, if you just follow yeah. on from what you were um, yeah. telling us. Because I got married at uh, 22, just do, while I was doing my master's in physics. Then coming to Australia 24 years back, uh, you know, new country, I started uh, doing my PhD when my daughter started school. So many people actually discouraged me saying that, oh, you are going to do um, a PhD in theoretical particle phys physics. It would be hard. You know, you may have forgotten your physics. You may not do your family responsibilities, for example. And many people uh, discouraged me. So, but I think you have to believe in yourself and push that boundary to do that. Mm. But at the end of the day, I did <laughs> PhD in Sometimes physics. Sometimes when you <laughs> discourage, it makes you work harder. That's right. Yeah. Then you have to prove yourself. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's say you went into an industry, the building industry, um, which, um, you know, even today, um, I imagine is so male dominated. Um, so when, I guess, initially, what was it that, that drew you um, to the industry? You're the first female building inspector in South Australia. Given we're now in 2022, how do you react to being? the first and and shouldn't women in this industry be the norm by now going back to some basic statistics there's only 12 percent of women mm -hmm. in construction and on the ground that's an even smaller percentage it drops down to like three four percent um so you would expect it to be the norm but on the same token not as well looking at the numbers um, so I guess for me um, I had a very successful career a corporate career which is what you would do when as a female you would leave um, you'd finish school it was as much as I was passionate about building construction and real estate it was not even a thought 
to be had to enter those industries back when I was 17 years old. Um, so it's been, for me, I mean, I, I had my, my mum and my dad are both trade backgrounds, so I've had it around me and I've enjoyed it and loved it. I just never saw how I could get into it. And so fast forward 15 years later, a, a few degrees, a successful corporate career, still feeling miserable, um, is when I decided to um, work out how I was going to get into this industry. And for me, it was um, a natural progression because it was a thing that well, my husband had, a bit, had his business doing this, so I just mm. joined him. And I didn't just want to join him doing the admin side yeah. of it. I wanted to join him on the ground. I wanted to be out of the office. I wanted to be doing what I enjoy and having that, uh, fulfilling that personal need. Um, and it was only by coincidence when I tried to reach out to other female building inspectors that I realised there wasn't any. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And and it wasn't until a few months into doing it. Um, so and of course my career transition involved upskilling and studying again and mm -hmm. getting my builder's license, even though it's an unregulated industry. So uh, should it be in 2022? Should it be the norm? Well, probably not. Mm -hmm. So it might be in the next generation, and that's what we're here today to yeah. do. That's what what our purpose is: is education, breaking the bias, breaking the bias and and just letting women know it's okay if that's what you want to do you've got to work hard at anything you do to succeed it's not like it's going to be less hard to jump in it's yeah and I think do um, you mentioned earlier before we came in here um, I guess barriers and your um, perception of or, or how you dealt with barriers um, throughout your career so for me, it was a barrier from 17 years old when I thought I was my own barrier. My own mindset was saying, you can't go have a career in building and construction because, you know, that, that's not really an academic career or a, a, a logical career for you as a female. So there, there was barriers from early on. And for me to be able to do what I'm doing today, the biggest mindset I needed to shift was my own. Um, and it wasn't a difficult thing to do because I was passionate. So for me, failure wasn't an option. I didn't want to go back to my other career. Um, as, uh, as much as I enjoyed being academic, I still went back and studied and, and got my building and construction qualifications to formalise what I wanted to do, but also to then overcome the barrier I knew that was coming, that people will question me. What, you, what is your background in building? Mm. And, and that gets asked, believe it or not, quite a bit. Um, I know that our team and my partner don't get asked. I have yeah, been. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's nice to be able to say that I've, I'm supporting yeah. uh, my background with some academic yeah. um, studies. But then, of course, it's experience and what you learn in, as in any profession, really. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the barrier initially was myself. Once you overcome that, the sky's your limit and you, you keep going, yeah. And I think that might kind of feed into a question that I believe is for Maria from um, our audience. With so low numbers of females in your industry sectors, why do you think women are not choosing these career pathways or dropping out and not staying? Um, I think it is due to a variety of reasons. You know, when girls are coming in, uh, you know, the the visibility is less in physics, you know. If you are looking at the physics teacher number at the university as well as school, it may be less as well, and they can't see many role models, female role models 
in the physics area. That can be one of the reasons. Melinda, what do you think um, in, yeah, in reference to your industry? Well, there's a lot of female students studying marketing and graphic design, yeah. but once you get up into the senior levels, there's no room to move, mm -hmm. there's no turnover, there's yeah. the same old, same old, and when the, uh, employment happens, you're just replacing same with same. So a lot of females drop out. What's your advice, I guess, to women who perhaps just may lack the confidence that, that you know, naturally may not be as confident perhaps in um, themselves as their male counterparts? We can say we can offer everything that men can. And out of the, I think there's 42 universities in Australia, 35 of the 42 have more female students than, mm. than male and two have over 70%. So... Mm. There's a lot of graduates there that are yearning for um, the job that they've they've dreamed for, but they just get stuck at a certain level. Yeah. So how do they get unstuck? Um, I think what's got to happen, especially I've, I've sat on quite a few boards, mm -hmm. and um, I think what's well, I know that out of um, 200 top Australian companies, a third of them have only got less than 30% on their boards, female. So I think that needs to be looked at on different levels, academic levels and board level and company level to equal it the is gender. Like, it is stunning when you talk about the numbers that are actually studying it and are going in at the entry point. Yeah, yeah. And are you surprised, I guess, to go to that question um, that I asked Litza earlier, that, that it is like this still in 2022? Yeah, I'm not surprised in a way because many businesses or boards have always been male-driven from the get-go. Mm -hmm. So we also almost have this um, feeling that we have to stay silent, that we have been trained almost not to, to succeed any higher than a certain level. And I think we've got to break that bias that we can. It, one of the questions I had here for you, and it flows into that, is that you know you've been a powerhouse in the creative industries for more than twenty years. An industry, um, some um, would say, has been dominated by men, which you've clearly, you know, explained to us is actually the truth. Um, to what extent have you seen this change? By what you're telling us, that change hasn't been all that it has, significant. It hasn't at all. Yeah. And the messaging, I think, what in, in, in advertising is incorrect. We're not selling women or products or the industry as we should, should be. There's a loss of messaging because there's not enough women on boards at higher level giving a different perspective, um, giving a different opinion, different experiences, different strategies. It's all just lost, which is really, really very upsetting so there's so much to offer and we we like I said we have a, a sort of an intrinsic understanding of of the market better than men do it's been scientifically proven <laughs> yeah Lisa, so what about um for you you know um are you passionate I guess about being whether you feel comfortable with the term role model or or not but passionate I guess about being that person that perhaps inspires someone else into Absolutely. your industry. Absolutely. And I think for me it was a big thing to get out of my comfort zone and, and be in forums like this and, and put 
myself and, and our business out there. Fearless faces. Fearless face. So, um, but if we don't do this, if we're not brave, um, how is change going to occur? Because being realistic, change will not occur in, in our um, actual lifetime or in our, um, in our generation. What we need to do is, is educate and education needs to start from the schools. It yeah. doesn't start, it starts from here. We start the discussion on change and we start that shift and we raise the awareness. But realistically, it's going to be that next generation that's really going to drive change. And that needs to start from our education sector. And what is your, um, I mean, do you get to, to interact with younger people? Do you get to, to perhaps um, share your passions and share your career in that education space? So I am a, 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 I'm involved in speakers in schools. So that is one way that I can reach out and speak to the younger generation. Um, but a lot of it is, you know, just through my own children, through the interactions with my own children and then their interactions with their friends. And then it's funny, my, my kids call me the little celebrity. Every All the little kids know me at the kids' school and they know my story. And, and that's, that's amazing and that warms my heart because really it was one thing that I am the first female building inspector. That's amazing. What do I do with that? How do I inspire change? And that's what ultimately we're all here to do. Um, so, yeah, I, I would like a bigger opportunity to reach out to that younger generation um, and that will come. Um, and, and you're on the record as saying that, that you had to, and you, you did touch on this earlier, I guess, in terms of um, that it has been hard work. So you're on the record as saying that you had to work harder to prove your capabilities in order to gain the recognition and respect um, that any industry professional is it, um, sorry, deserves. Can you expand on the how and why? Um, of that and I guess um, you know you mentioned before that your partner and um, others in the business don't get questioned even now with your um, you know yeah accolades and a great example was I was on site doing a building inspection and there was a gentleman there an older gentleman um, doing some tiling and the tiling was defective um, it was chipped. <laughs> so you wouldn't want your brand new house. You don't want to walk in and, and have chipped tiles in your ensuite. Um, and so we've got our little um, stickers that we put markers to identify um, so that can get rectified. And the tiler just came into the bathroom completely in my face. What do you know? You're a woman. You've not been in the building industry. You, why are you picking on my work? And it's like, because there's chipped tiles, sir, you know. And it's like, no, no, that's fine. That's, you're allowed to have that. And it's like, well, actually, no. And this is the evidence behind it. So you always got to back yourself with your evidence and your qualifications. And that's just one example. I ended up pretty much having to tell this individual to stop engaging with me. I said, you need to stop talking to me that way. And you need to move out of my face. And, yeah, and I've learned to be very assertive but I'm very proud of myself because I was not very assertive before I came into this industry. And that's, once I guess though you earn that respect, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Like the amount of support I have from men and women in my industry is huge. So yes, I've been challenged, but really all that did was just make me work harder to, to stay in the industry because that's the biggest issue. We might have women entering the industry, a whole 12% of them in different forms, 
But then there's attrition that people, the women don't stay. See, I find it really inspiring, I guess, even in terms of that assertiveness because, you know, many of us aren't naturally um, assertive and I think that that's really inspiring that you stuck it out, I guess. Um, It's empowering though. It's not actually disempowering. It's actually very empowering because you know know your your work, you know what you're doing, um, so whether... Yeah, I was in a female-oriented industry or a male-oriented. It doesn't matter. It's for for me. Um, it's all about skill set-based recruitment. Whether you're male or female is irrelevant. Um, it's about recruiting people to their skill set, to their passion, to do a job. And um, um, so, as yeah. you're talking there, Litzer, it makes me also think of something that that you said about blocking out negative noise earlier. And I feel like that. Really, Absolutely. Um, fits Spot in on. with that too. How have I you been able to got to work smart? And if you don't agree with what someone's saying, fine, but find a compromise. I'm not. I'm not very good at conflict, mm-hmm. so you just got to work smarter, firm but fair, and um, come up with a, a compromise each time. So I just really yeah. liked that how you described <laughs> it as blocking out negative. I've, well, noise. when I first started out. Um, and was designing, if it didn't go a certain way, I'd get quite upset and think it has to work for this reason. But now you think, no, we'll just compromise, do it one way, do another, show the difference, yeah. just so you can get the best best yeah. product for your client. It, it seems to be that that theme keeps coming up, um, you know, and probably something I struggle with a bit myself is in that believing in yourself yes. and backing yourself. And um, now, look, we have um, got another question from... Um, the wonderful audience. Um, it's um, this one says, as a woman architect and urban designer, I have been extremely lucky to have worked in supportive workplaces and never felt the glass ceiling. Bias came from younger generations. It's interesting. Is it systematic programming of young minds in our education and media that best um, that the best sorry architects, designers, creatives are usually men? So that is the first part of the question. Mm. Yeah, I would absolutely agree it's a stereotype and that's why earlier I mentioned in order to create, to actually have change, it has to start from our education sector. We need to break down those stereotypes. We need to change the perception that there's, you know, there's jobs that only men should be doing or only women should be doing. It's, it's again going back to that skill set based recruitment, that passion and drive. Um, so yeah, it, I'm not surprised that it was from an actual um, younger generation that because the, there's so much social media out there and there's yeah, the social media I was going absolutely. to yeah, so ask there's you this about portrayal that. of the perfect image, whether it's the perfect successful woman mm-hmm. um, or the perfect teenager or the perfect body. There's all this, I guess, stereotype reinforced in social media that our kids access, our children access from a much younger age now. Yeah, it it is an interesting concept and idea, isn't it? When you would think we would have moved on from that, whereas in some ways, you know. um, And now, sorry, the the same um, audience member also said: Is there a further invisible bias towards women of certain age, colour, and ethnicity? Ethnicity. Thank you, yes. Um, and how do we combat this? Mm. 
to have to look into that one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is a difficult question. It's a difficult question. Yeah. I think there is an invisible bias. Um, how do we overcome it? I'm a firm believer in, in education and advocacy. It really comes down to that because that is what, sh you know, shapes our future is what we're taught. And then, yeah, of course, we have to, you know, obviously, uh, the, the parents, the grandparents, the peers around mm. children influence things like that. So mindsets do need to shift across the board, but it's going to take it's time. Been and still yeah. for years. So. And, and it's interesting because one of the um, original questions that we had to chat about was kind of sort of um, similar to that, even when celebrating success, gender seems to be highlighted. For example, a successful businesswoman or leader, why does gender still come up? Should we as a society not have put, moved past this by now? Why does it seem so difficult to yeah. achieve equality? Yeah, because, yeah. Yeah, we're also almost apologetic for, for achieving. I know in my industry, yeah, it's just you get to a certain level, you achieve a certain campaign, you get out there, it's a success, and then I will get questions with, oh, it's your business, so have you got a partner or did someone set you up or did your parents fund this initially? You've been on your own for that many years. So you kind of say, yes, yeah, no, I, I did start it on my own and it was hard work and I did apply the 10,000-hour rule and I have worked hard to get where I am. Um, yeah, and I am female, so... And I also think the reason the gender is coming into, you know, when you are explaining female scientist, female professor, etc., because there is a problem. You know, I never hear people saying that I went to a female dentist yeah. or my female GP told me this. You know, I am not hearing that because the people know that the balance is there mm. and they, they don't care because they know that. So the gender issues come when there is an imbalance yeah. and we need to fix that. And yeah. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing saying, mm. you know, I'm one, as you mentioned earlier, the first female building inspector in SA, how are we going to raise awareness if we don't actually celebrate and say that on the flip side? Mm. So I think there is, sometimes you do need to celebrate that and showcase mm. that and highlight that. Um, because as you said, there is an imbalance there. Yeah, that is needs why. to be said. Yeah, yeah. So it's and, and at no point it's trying to put men down. No, I think this absolutely. is where sometimes the argument got, goes no. a bit skewy yeah, because it's, it's got not nothing to do with, you know, putting men down or not them not being good at what they do. Uh, for for my journey, some of my biggest and my biggest supporters are men in what I do. I wouldn't be where I am today without the great men in my life supporting yeah. me to be here. So that has to be said as well. Um, it's, I think, the crux of it is having these, highlighting these amazing yeah. accomplishments mm. um, and celebrating them. And I think social media has got a big part to play as well with, yeah. with you know. It's a challenge, isn't it? Yeah. It's, Melinda, I think, um, too, um, you kind of talked about, I guess, even when you've had this amazingly successful campaign that sometimes there's that little bit of negativity at the end of it, um, you know, pulling it down. Can women really have a successful career, family and social life? And do these expectations put pressure on women who are struggling to have it all? Um. Look, I can't say it's not hard, <laughs> so, but it just makes you work harder and I think you strive harder and then you've got to almost, dare I say it, prove 
yourself all over again. Um, and I, I was, I've got one son, Willem. I was very lucky to have him. And I decided to move home because I didn't want to move miss a minute and I hope I'm not going to cry. So um, in the five years I was home, they were the most successful years of my career. Everybody just worked with me. Everybody came home. We had a dedicated studio um, and you don't miss out on the school drop-offs because you make them happen and you do still have them when they're sick and on holidays. And you do still do volunteering at school. Um, if you want everything, you want anything done, ask somebody busy. And um, you don't miss out, you just make it happen. And in many ways, it was even more enriching for me. He's seen the journey and he respects what I do. And it's been an all-female team and he has been amongst that team and had his favourites. And, and nobody's really worked for me for less than seven years. So I try and nurture, I bring in uh, fresh from uni a lot. I've, I've mentored and trained with no skill, well, not, not, no, not any skills, but no experience, industry experience. And that's something I do to give back. So yeah. even things down to how to write emails and how to talk to people, um, quotes, invoicing, just starting from the ground up. And it seems to me to speak to that need to, um, you know, so you created that, I guess, for yourself, that environment um, where you could yeah. Uh, you, but, but, but perhaps where we need to focus more. And I know that we're starting to win workplaces. Yeah. But to, I, I guess, guess if you benefit... want to succeed, be your own boss. If you want to get to that level, more women need to probably start their own business. And yeah. even though it's going to be competition to me, but, I think but, that's what... But I think employers can also learn from your experience in terms of how they treat Women and mothers. And, yes, yeah. women and that they can still, and how to get the best out. I think you, you learn so much mum. more. I mean, I worked right up till 12 o'clock when I had to go into hospital because mm. there was nothing else to do and my computer chair was the most comfortable chair in the house. So then I drove myself there because I don't trust my husband's driving. So then I had baby and I came home and worked and just we just worked it out. So um, I think when you're driven, you have to have that passion um, and it just works and you just take everybody along hopefully for a, a happy successful ride and they can uh, celebrate your success as well my husband's my biggest supporter but he also will tell me no that's not right that's <laughs> you can't it. do that you need do to you have that we are seeing enough change in terms of um i guess um within industry and and um at looking at how and perhaps even on the back of the pandemic uh, how we better yeah. balance people's lives. Um, the pandemic's definitely put a, a, a very different angle on how I've managed my business. It's a lot more digital now. There's a lot more flexibility. I've had two of my staff with COVID badly. So you just got to work a, around it. But I think working mothers are very flexible. They're used, used to adapting um, and facing fears yeah, daily <laughs> daily, daily. <laughs> but I also think on off that yeah, I think success looks differently to different people, people. yeah um, you don't necessarily need to be that Instagram worthy no. successful mother exactly I agree if just, that's not what you want just surviving in the industry yeah. paying your mortgage and producing exactly. creatives that you're happy with that's um, your your clients happy with that's enough for me mm. Absolutely. I love that you have, um, yeah, added 
that um, insight too. Here we've got a question from Lynn and she says, do you foresee a time when we'll no longer um, need to have conversations like this, when equality across the board will be the norm? Mm, well, I know sure that in um, the UK, the States, and also Scandinavia, now you have to have equal boards because they've seen there's better governance, there's um, uh, better corporate success. Um, so that is happening. So whether it happens in Australia, I don't know, but yeah. What about in the science? I know, you know, because we hear a lot about STEM and science and, um, and girls, I guess, encouraging girls into yeah, so I will go back to what Lisa said before, you know, education is the powerful tool, you know. So I think it is important to educating girls about the possibilities in STEM and STEM careers is very, very important. That is also one of the reasons I am focusing, besides my normal <laughs> role at the university, uh, we are focusing on year nine girls and supporting them because otherwise they don't see this wonderful career. So through STEM Enrichment Academy, this is mainly for year nine girls and their teachers. What we are doing is that we are providing enrichment and allowing students to perform science. By performing science, they can see, uh, you know, the creativity and the wonder in physics, and they are naturally, you know, joining that um, stream. For example, you know, when I started the STEM Enrichment Academy as a part of federal government funding, our goal was to only to enrich 140 girls. And uh, to be honest, the teacher buy-in was very good in South Australia. And this number far exceeded to 541 year nine girls. This is very good. And in uh, from the 2019 stem enrichment program what we have seen is that 93 percent of that girls are taking you know physics and spec maths and mathematics in year 11 and year 12. so we are making a difference mm -hmm. but in order to make that difference we, we need to build a strong pipeline and you need to start from uh, you know young yeah, age young. yeah which is again of one of our questions um, from the audience. You can't um, be what you can't see. That's right. Agree. Yes. We need yeah. to celebrate female mm -hmm. achievements. Should we focus um, on changing past perceptions yes. with males and uh, parents? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we need diversity of thinking. We need to start at primary school. Parents influence their children's career decisions. Are you working in this area? Which um, I think you've. We need you know, to do each more. Mentioned and we need to do more. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. And also when the girls are coming to the university, you know, the good thing is that the universities are well equipped for that. Mm -hmm. And they are uh, seeing fresh content, fresh ideas. And of course, another good thing is that they are not being assessed by their teachers, yeah. you know. So we are taking that pressure off and they will get, um, you know, support and they can take experiment and they are not being criticized when the procedure is wrong or anything like that. So, you know, providing the space for young girls to grow in STEM is important. And look, I'm just, we've got one last question from the audience and then I want um, to ask you each of a question to, to wrap up because we're running um, out of time. So we've got, um, Carolyn asks, what should um, industry be doing to help break the bias? What could really move the dial in this area? 
Melinda, maybe start with you. Um, I guess education. Yes. I, I know within my industry, you learn graphic design, marketing, events, tourism, but then when you're out in the big wide world, you've got no idea of how to handle clients and how to build campaigns from scratch, how to um, manage rejection. So I think some sort of mentorship for me, which is something I'm thinking of doing, where you can treat, uh, where you can um, teach ground level, um, which is not taught at universities, I don't understand, I don't uh, believe it's under. The, yeah, I think that mentor is, Yes. As you were speaking, that was what was coming oh, it was to my a, mind. A big shock when I yeah. started. I, I always wanted my own business, so I worked for somebody for three years, and I always wanted yeah. it. I don't just wanted to do my own thing, yeah. but it was a huge shock when I had to you know offset printing uh, to digital. Um, there were, back then there was bromides. No one told me about any of that. And if you make a mistake in in the print industry, especially, it's thousands of dollars. Yeah. So they're the sorts of things I didn't ever so I was trying to be sponge and absorb as much as I could when I was working but nothing like that is it. Lisa what about for you? So when I decided my career change um, the first thing I did was look at my industry bodies um, predominantly the Master Builders Association South Australia Housing Industry Association and they actually have really good women's networks Um, so the first thing I did was join that uh, the National Association of Women in Construction top 100 women so we do have some really good industry partners and associations and they do have some really growing um, women in construction networks so it's very very important um, to be involved and to back and support that and that I think and they offer really great mentoring programs as well get involved um, and I think it's important that these associations, I guess, showcase that they've got this arm to their, um, to the within the industry, and and that women go and support and and grow those. Um, so I'd say that I think there's there's room for growth, but when we're talking, there's only twelve percent yeah. women oh, as yeah. in construction. I think they're they're doing all right with the membership yeah. they have, but um, yeah, it, it's getting involved and backing that to grow and again that would then tie into the education piece I think um, we need to be more actively involved in influencing that next generation and shifting the mind shift of the current generation and I guess so Maria says so that then we don't have to say yeah. it's a female yeah that's exactly. right that's what we're hoping for yes, you that's know right. this, yeah. this amazing um, yeah. research that natural voice yes. platform yeah, yeah. Now, um, because we are um, nearly out of time, I just was hoping that each of you could perhaps, um, looking back, what would you say to your 15-year-old self? And I guess I'm also thinking about that, that, that one piece of advice or that one thing that we can take from this that perhaps, you know, that we can share with young people in our lives. Be brave. Don't give up. You're going to get knockbacks, but you've just got to pick yourself up, dust yourself up and just work even harder. Um, Listen, take advice, but then make your own decision. Um, Just keep working. And if you're passionate about it, you'll succeed. Yeah, that's a good one. I would say never compromise on your passion and beliefs. And also it is okay not to have perfect score in all the subject you do. Just follow your passion, you'll be fine. For me, it's all of the above, very much <laughs> what, what um, you two ladies just said. But it's also about not seeing every challenge and hurdle you face as a negative. It's actually an opportunity. 
to yeah. showcase to learn, yeah. but also to um, to show to yourself and reflect that yeah. um, you got this. Back yourself, um, follow your passion. You will succeed if it is your true passion, and you yeah. put your mind to it. You you will get there in the end. Um, sky's the limit. So, it's again as I said earlier, uh, having to shift your own mindset. You make a positive. Make it a positive. And a positive. Yeah. And yeah. struggling is a good thing, not yeah, a bad exactly. thing. Exactly. You mistakes. If someone's challenging you, it's yeah. because it's an opportunity to show who you are and what you know. Lap it up and move on. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, again, like you know, I'm, I mean, I, I think you know. Obviously, we talk about um, inspiration and, and inspirational people a lot, but genuinely, just sitting here talking to you, ladies, that is how. That's how I feel, and I feel when you're talking about mentoring and education, you just, you, you just want the message to get to as many people. And I think some it of those simple, work even harder. But the belief in yourself, the, you know, that, um, you know, I think it's, yeah, it's a wonderful thing. Is is there in the, um, in the last, we've got a few more minutes, um, I believe, in those last few minutes, I mean, is there anything that we haven't touched on that, that perhaps, you know, you'd like to share or stories that you would, would like to share? Mm. No, I think we've covered a broad range. Um, it's, yeah, I think. You know, um, I guess one of the things that, that, that I didn't touch on that I did um, did mean to, and, and we've just had um, celebrated International um, uh, yeah, Women's Day, um, I had, did have a question um, uh, around that, and, and um, Litza, this one was for you actually. The, the road has been forged, but how do we keep momentum going outside of events such as International Women's Day? Surely it needs to be an everyday priority to break the bias. It sure does. And on a personal level, for me, it's about continuing to share my story, being seen, continuing to be successful um, and showcasing that. I, I love LinkedIn as a platform, as a professional platform, and I use that to celebrate those successes and to put a bit of insight into my day-to-day -day life and, and my family and my business. And I think if we all keep doing that outside, this is one way we can do it, but I think keep having those conversations more broader. Go to your industry events and associations, have those brave discussions. Talk to as many people that want to listen and, and hear and keep active on. We've got social media as a tool, as, um, as a... As a yeah. It, it seems that whole networking and mentoring is, um, you know, it seems to me that is key to to us moving forward and helping each other, perhaps. I started a little series on LinkedIn, which was people who, women who have inspired Aranya, my agency, and I went right back to my yeah. school because people don't realise that. Sometimes people think it just automatically happened, yeah. but there's lots of different people that have, yeah. have been an influence on on our lives, including my music teacher and a very early client and, you know, they've watched you grow and seen you stumble and then seen you get back up again. So um, I think also telling your story and then promoting other women who have who have helped along the way and been a huge significant part of your life is um, 
worth telling. We've all got stories and um, keep self-reflecting. Yeah, gratitude. And it gratitude. hasn't always been easy. Yeah, but I think that's magical too because I think that that you know often and particularly when things perhaps aren't going well in our lives, you know, you can feel like you're the only one that's. Yeah been there or the only one that's hit this obstacle so to hear how others perhaps exactly got through that or or approach that can be really and there's a sense of gratitude I'm I'm very grateful to have succeeded in 20 nearly 25 years so you do want to sort of tell your story and thank people along the way so well, um, I'm, I'm sure I speak for everyone here that we absolutely thank you and, you know, your stories are, you know, yeah, like I said before, genuinely inspiring and, you know, provide us with hope, I think. Well, thank you. Oh, thank thank you, you for the opportunity. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Totally. Yeah. And thank you, Flinders. Yeah, thank you, Flinders. <laughs> yeah, a lot of gratitude. Yeah. <laughs>